أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمد عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صلي وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Welcome to another episode of our Tafsir program page by page And inshallah ta'ala today we are on page 27 which is in the second juz surah al-Baqarah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins uh, in verse 177 which is at the top of this page Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem laysa albirra an tuwallu wujuhakum qibla almashriqi wal maghribi walakinna albirra man amana billahi wal yawmil akhiri wal malaika wal yawmil akhiri wal malaikati wal kitabi wan nabiyyina wa atal mala ala hubbihi dhawil qurba wal yatama wal masakina wa bana sabil والمساكين وابن السبيل والسائلين وفي الرقاب وأقام الصلاة وآت الزكاة والموفون بعهدهم والموفون بعهدهم إذا عاهدوا والصابرين في البأساء والضراء وحين البأس أولئك الذين صدقوا وأولئك هم المتقون Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says goodness or albir, which means piety, which means goodness. It does not consist in turning your face towards the east or the west. This verse, according to a number of the scholars of tafsir, is in relation to what we mentioned at the beginning of the second juz, that passage of the Quran and that passage of Surah Al-Baqarah that speaks about the changing of the direction of the Qibla from Baytul Maqdis in Jerusalem to the Kaaba in Mecca. And as we said then when we went through those uh, verses extensively and the story behind it of the changing of the Qibla, it was a source of trial and a a challenge for uh, a number of the non-Muslims and also for some of the Muslims as well, who didn't really understand what would happen, for example, with the good deeds of those people who had passed away before the changing of the Qibla. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent it down as a test for people, as Allah azza wa jal mentioned in those verses, and we've already passed those verses in a previous episode. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is linking this particular passage back to that one. And that is because from the signs of Iman, is that you, it's not just about the, the outward actions, it's not just about the symbolism. It is much more than that. Because there are religions today, for example, that very much their religious practices are about symbolism. If you were to ask them what does it actually mean, how does it increase you in Iman, what is behind it in terms of piety and so on, they probably wouldn't know. And maybe for a lot of those practices, they don't even know where in history it came about from. And they can't really uh, they can't really link it back to, for example, the founders of that religion or the prophets that they claim that that religion came from or the revelation that they say that they follow. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying with all of these people who are speaking about the changing of the Qibla, that true piety is not just about the direction where you face. As Allah azza wa mentioned elsewhere, or mentioned in the, in the passage concerning the changing of the Qibla at the beginning of the second juz, he said, Allah owns, the he possesses, he's the owner, uh, to him belongs the east and the west. And so whether you face this way or that way, it is the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is important here? 
is that you follow Allah Azza wa Jal. You have iman in Allah and in everything that that entails. And you have belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the worship of Allah Azza wa Jal is according to what he legislates. And your etiquettes and your mannerisms and your character is that which is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why Allah Azza wa Jal says that it is not goodness or piety. is not about which way you turn your face, whether to the east or the west. So what is piety and goodness? What is the true definition of it? He said, Allah Azza wa goes on to say, وَلَكِنَّ الْبِرْ But rather true piety and good, مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ The truly good and pious are those who believe in Allah. وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرَ And the last day. وَالْمَلَائِكَةَ And the angels. وَالْكِتَابَ And the scripture. وَالنَّبِيِّينَ And all of the prophets. Meaning true belief in Allah Azza wa is not just the verbal expression or the holding up of some symbolisms or some or some uh, some physical rites, but rather true iman is the one that comes from the heart to believe in Allah Azza wa Jal, and part of that belief in Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is then to submit to His commands, to sacrifice for Him Subhanahu wa Taala, to love Him more than anything else that we have within the dunya, and it is to believe in Yomul Qiyamah, the Day of Judgment. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will hold us to account. That Allah azza wa jal will, 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 will resurrect us on that day. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward the good doers with Jannah. And will reward the evil and punish them with the fire. That we believe in the malaika, the angels of Allah azza wa jal, the scriptures, the divine revelations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in all of the prophets and messengers of Allah azza wa jal. And these are five of the six pillars of Iman as mentioned by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa in the famous hadith of Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam. And that is that Allah Azza wa Jal is telling us that this is true Iman. Iman is the one that begins in the heart. So if you have this solid Iman in your heart, this foundation of belief in your heart, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in the other principles or pillars of Iman, then when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, <coughs> apologies, Allah Azza wa Jal says face one direction over another, move from one direction to another or change this command with another and it is all legislation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you willingly submit. You turn to Allah azza wa jal and you submit to the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then that person who has that iman, who has that strong faith, that person will automatically do good that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If a person in their heart truly believes in Allah azza wa jal, truly believes in yawmul qiyamah, that true belief in the heart must manifest itself upon the tongue and in the actions. And that is why the claim that many people have that, oh, our iman is in our heart, that's where our piety is, just because you can't see me pray, just because I don't you know, do certain things that I'm meant to do, or I don't dress in a certain way, or behave in a certain way, oh, but my true iman is in my heart. But that true iman means that you have a, 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 a an unparalleled love for Allah, and for his Prophet ﷺ. And the unparalleled love then means that if Allah is saying that if you truly love me, you will follow what the Prophet ﷺ said, as Allah mentions in Surah Ali Imran, in kuntum Allah, if you truly love Allah, fattabi'uni, then follow me, follow me, meaning the Prophet ﷺ. Why wouldn't you do so? Why would you be told that this is the path that leads you to Allah true iman must take you down this path and you would turn away from that path. You would ignore the commands of Allah Azza wa Jal. You wouldn't submit to the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the teachings of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Where is the truth in that? Because we all know that the things that we deeply love in our lives, our family, our hobbies, our interests, those are things that we're constantly engaged in. 
If someone has an interest or a love or a hobby that they're deeply passionate about, maybe a sport, it may be a craft, it may be cars, whatever it may be, travel, those people you will find them constantly engaging within that. They're reading, they're researching, they're watching, they're engaged, they're participating, they're paying money, they're buying stuff, they're, they're experiencing, because that is what it means to love something to that level. As Allah Azzawajal said, as we mentioned in a previous episode, Allah says concerning the believers, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ If you truly believe in Allah, those who believe love Allah more than that. More than the disbelievers and more than the people with their hobbies and their passions. So that true iman then manifests itself in terms of the good that you do, in terms of the the acts, acts and etiquettes that you have. And that is why Allah Azza wa Jal says that also therefore from goodness and piety is That those people give away some of their wealth no matter how much they cherish it. You love wealth because it is something which Allah has made in the nature of humans that we love wealth because of what it means and denotes and what we are able to do with it in terms of uh, in terms of living in the dunya in comfort and so on. It is something which is natural to have that love of wealth and that is why it is one of those temptations that Allah Azza wa Jal has told us to live with with certain principles and parameters. And that is always the case. The things that humans love and covet, people from the opposite gender, uh, wealth, power, fame, all of these things, they are permissible in certain parameters, with certain parameters and in certain limited ways. And we're told that there are temptations and desires that you must restrict and confine in these ways that are legislated by the Sharia. Allah says subhanahu wa ta'ala that these people love wealth because it is natural to do so. But despite this, they know that what is more beloved to Allah is that they spend some of it, not all of it, some of it, to groups of people that are needy. And because of that strong iman in the heart, that belief in Allah and Yawmul Qiyamah, that person will go and they will submit and they will sacrifice some of that which they love. And that is what Allah Azza wa says in Surah Ali Imran, that verse, that beautiful verse towards the beginning of the fourth or towards the very end of the third juz. You will never attain true piety until you love from that which you earn. So what is that which you earn, that you, you spend from that which you love? You will never attain to priority until you spend from that which you love. What is that you love so much and covet? It is the wealth that you have. How should you spend it? Allah is telling us here. Spend, they spend it despite their love for it. They give it to their relatives. From the people in their family who need it and who don't need it. They spend upon them. They help them come closer to Allah and join the ties of kinship because of the way that they treat their family. And they give to the orphans. And the needy and the poor. The travelers, meaning those who in their travels are uh, run out of funds, they run out of resources, and they're unable to get home or to their destination. So it's not like traveling today where people have their card, their credit cards and their bank cards, and it's very easy to have means. We're talking about people who are stuck in foreign lands because of a lack of provision. Those are the people that are being referred to. And those who beg and they ask. And those who are in bondage, meaning they're in slavery and they're trying to purchase their freedom. So these are the people who, despite coveting wealth, cherishing wealth, loving wealth, they know what is more pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so they're willing to spend. And from the attributes of goodness and the people of goodness and piety is that they always come closer to Allah azza wa jal in their worship. 
وأقام الصلاة وآت الزكاة والموفون بعهدهم إذا عاهدوا they fill the obligations by praying and by giving the zakah and they keep their covenants and pledges when they make them and then Allah Azza wa Jalla describes so Allah Azza wa Jalla describes these people as people of salah people of zakah people of integrity and trustworthiness and honesty these are all examples and all definitions of piety and goodness and from those people from the traits of these people they are those people who remain steadfast at times of misfortune and adversity and at times of danger they turn to Allah they're patient upon the harm they're patient upon the trials and tests that come their way they're patient in terms of staying firm and steadfast upon the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah describes these people these people who fill all of, fulfill all of this, this criteria and these attributes, Allah says, subhanahu wa ta'ala, أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ صَدَقُوا These are the ones who are the people of truth. وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُتَّقُونَ And these are the people who are conscious of Allah Azza wa have piety of Him. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said, therefore, that these levels that we have here of belief in Allah Azza wa of acts of worship and of acts of character of good towards other people these three components once they come together that is bir that is true goodness true piety and those are the people who have true taqwa of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allah azza wa in the next verse 178 allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then tells us and gives us an example of one of those commands that we should submit to and it is from that piety and goodness that we have that we submit to the commands of Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu kutiba alaykum al-qisasu fil qatla al-hurru bil-hurri wal-abadu bil-abadi wal-untha bil-untha faman ufiya lahu min aqihi shay'un fattiba'un bil-ma'rufi wa adaun ilayhi bi-ihsan thalika takhfifun min rabbikum wa rahmah faman i'tada ba'da thalika falahu athabun alim O you who believe Fair retribution is prescribed for you in cases of murder. The free man for the free man, the slave for the slave, the female for the female. From the, from the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that Allah azza wa has allowed for the one who has murdered someone, who allowed for the family of the person who has been murdered. So someone is killed unjustly, they're murdered innocently. The family, once that person is caught, the perpetrator, it is allowed for the family to seek retribution. From the retribution, is that they demand the life of that person who committed murder. So we have in our religion, in the Sharia of Islam, we have what we call the penal punishments, meaning that you can kill or you can uh, have someone executed for the punishment of committing, for the crime of committing murder. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives this because it is a way of justice. It is a means of justice. And it is a deterrent from people from taking the lives of others without any thought. And so Allah says that you would be just in this, meaning the free person is killed for the free person, the slave for the slave, the female for the female. So if a slave, if a, if a free person kills a slave, then it's not equal anymore because one has more rights in the religion than others. And so therefore Allah says that you have to be equal. This is part of the justice. And from that justice is that a person may kill, or that person may ask that that person be killed in the way that they committed murder, according to some of the scholars of tafsir as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, however, فَمَنْ عُفِيَ لَهُ مِنْ أَخِيهِ شَيْءٍ But if the culprit is pardoned by his aggrieved brother, meaning that someone commits murder, the family of the murdered, the person who's the victim, the family of the victim, once the perpetrator is caught, they have a number of options. From the options that they have, 
is one that Allah Azza wa encourages greatly for the believers, for the perpetrator who is remorseful. He committed the act of murder and now he wants to make tawbah. He knows that he's committed a mistake or an error and a sin and he wants to repent to Allah Azza wa and he wants to do better. And so Allah Azza wa says for the one, for the, but if the culprit is pardoned by his aggrieved brother, then that should be adhered to fairly and the culprit should pay what is due in a good way. Meaning that person may say as a result, as, as another option, that I want to forgive you in lieu of blood money. You pay me this amount and if you give me that amount then I will not take your life or I will uh, not exact retribution in terms of taking your life. These are the different ways that a person is allowed to respond to murder in under Islamic law. And it is something which is easy for everyone to accept. Not easy for people to accept capital punishment and so on. But for the believer, we know that Allah Azza wa legislates what he considers or what he does in with all wisdom and with infinite knowledge. And so the options are that either you take that person's life as the member of the victim's family, you have that right if you are the ones who are his awliya, the people who are responsible for the victim. Or number two is that you take blood money and you let that person keep their life. Or number three is you simply forgive and you don't want anything for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ذَلِكَ This is an alleviation from your Lord and an act of mercy. Meaning that Allah Azza wa Jal has given more than one option. So some people will forgive and it is good to forgive and it is good to uh, let people off if that person is remorseful. That person really wants to do better. It's not someone who will go and continue to oppress. That person doesn't go and continue to murder or harm other people. No, you know that this is a person who, in the heat of the moment, or whatever that circumstance was, they did something that they now regret. And they've made tawbah. And they want to be better. And they realize the wrong that they did. And so Allah has given as mean, as a means of mercy more than one option in this scenario. But if anyone then exceeds these limits, then Allah says that he will have a grave punishment. Meaning even after this, after they've been forgiven, they continue to do evil, they go back to murder and killing and so on, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will punish them in the next life. And so Allah as we know from the belief of Yawm Al-Qiyamah, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will hold everyone to account and judge them. If a person is judged in this world, then it is a means of expiation for them for the sin that they've, been commit, that they've committed, meaning according to the Sharia law. However, if that person isn't caught, that person isn't, for example, that justice can't be taken from them, whatever, then we have true and full iman and belief that Allah Azza wa Jal will hold people to account on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And any wrongs that, 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 went, uh, that went unnoticed or went without any justice being taken from them in this world, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will exact justice for them on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And that is what Allah Azza wa Jal then says in verse 179, Fair retribution saves life for you, people of understanding. Allah Azza wa Jal says that indeed within this retribution system, so for example, someone steals and you cut off their hand. Someone commits murder and they can be killed. Certain other people, the penal punishments apply to them. Allah Azza wa Jal says within this there is life for you. Life because number one, it has an element of justice to it. How often do we hear on the news that someone has committed the worst crimes, the worst of evil, they're mass murderers, serial killers, or they've done amazing or great and severe harm and abuse. 
And then at the end, they, 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 they're sentenced for X number of years, 20, 30 years, and maybe they come out in parole after a number of years. And those family members are like, we don't feel like we've had justice. We don't feel like, you know, the, we don't feel like that this person has, has taken the, what they took from us in return. It doesn't feel like they had a sufficient response in terms of the justice that we've received. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in the Islamic system, the Sharia system, there is life for it. Because the people who are the families of the victims or the victims themselves will know and realize that they have had full retribution. They've been able to take an exact full justice. And at the same time, it is a deterrent for others. If you know that by committing murder, you will most likely lose your life. If you know by stealing that your hand will be taken from you, then you would think very carefully very harshly or very, very, very carefully before you committed any of those crimes. And it is not as people say under Islamic law. It is not as simple as someone steals, you cut off their hand. Someone commits murder, you chop off their head. That's not how it works. The whole There is a whole system just as in every single country and in every single land you have a law system with its laws, with its etiquettes, with its parameters, with a, a, a burden of proof that has to be established going through a court system and a judge and so on. It is the same in the Sharia. This is a vigilante law. It's not for me or you to go and start just chopping off people. No, it's not the way it works. There is a system and a law that is there that is comprehensive, like with every other system. But ours, the difference is, is that we believe that it is divine from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And therefore, when Allah says that if you comprehend this, you reflect upon it, you seek to understand, you will find the good that is in it. And yes, there is harm. In it, in the sense that every single retribution system or justice system has to have a level of harm. You imprison someone, you take from them money, you find them. There is that type of harm, but that harm is done to prevent a greater harm from affecting society. It is done as a deterrent to stop others from going into that path that will uh, that may open up doors that may be problematic for society at large. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then gives us another example. Of, and one of the things that you find within these examples that Allah Azza wa will give is that there is there must be a sense of integrity. The believer who fears Allah Azza wa believes in Allah, has iman, as we mentioned at the beginning of today's episode, the beginning of this page about true piety and so on, that person knows that they will be judged by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in cases, for example, of capital punishment, the witnesses that come must be people of integrity. To lie just in order to be able to get someone into trouble, to accuse them falsely of murder or of stealing so that you can exact some type of petty revenge out of on, on them or because there's some jealousy or bad blood between fam. This is something which Allah Azza wa Jalla is saying be extremely careful of because the one who is truly pious knows that even if you manage to harm and oppress someone in this world, you will stand before Allah Azza wa Jalla to be judged on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And so Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala is saying that in all of these issues, there is integrity from those issues is what Allah Azza wa Jalla mentions in verse 180 and 181. And that is, It is prescribed that the one who makes a wasiyah, meaning a bequest at the time of death, he give it, and this is inheritance, a bequest meaning your final will and testament, that you give it to the parents and close relatives. This is a duty that is incumbent upon those who have taqwa. This, some of the scholars said that this verse of of inheritance is essentially at the time of death or even before death, you prepare a final will and testament. Allah is saying that it is proper that that bequest goes to your parents and to your closest family relatives. Some of the scholars said that this verse was then abrogated later on with the detailed 
verses of inheritance that Allah mentions, the shares of the husband, the wife, the parents, the children, siblings, and so on and so forth. Another said, no, it is not abrogated, but Allah in this verse is speaking in general terms, that generally the people that inherit from you are who? The closest people to you in terms of your living relations. So that will be your parents, your spouse, your children, your siblings. These are the people that are closest to you in terms of blood relatives. And so Allah is mentioning them generally here, and then he will specify them in other verses in the Quran. However, this is an issue of integrity. How is an integrity here? Because Allah is saying that if at the time of death, you're making this bequest, you write it down, or you say it verbally, it has to be witnessed by two people. Those people who are witnesses to this, whether they hear it verbally or they take it written down, there is now a trust upon them that when they go to the surviving family members and they say that so-and-so passed away in your family, this is his final testament and will. And we are witnesses that this is what he wanted and this is how he wanted that wealth to be distributed according, for example, to the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah is warning people about this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse 181, Allah says, and if anyone alters the bequest after hearing it, the guilt of the alteration will fall upon them, for indeed Allah is all-hearing and all-knowing. And that's why it's an issue of integrity. How easy it would be if someone's on their deathbed and he says, write down my will for me to change it, especially if those people that are there are close family members they stand to actually benefit from the inheritance. So now they can change it and say, nobody gave me a gift. Or he said that this third that I can give in sadaqah, he's given to me or he's given to my family. Or they're hearing a verbal uh, statement of, of, of a final will because it's not always, it doesn't always have to be written. So those people now agree amongst themselves that they're going to change or they come to a family member and they say, we will give it all to you and say that he gave everything to you and in return you give us some of it as a payment or as a bribe or whatever it may be. Allah is saying, be wary of this. In the next verse, and even though we are now entering, entering into page 28, we will take the first verse because it's still speaking about this issue of inheritance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, in verse 182, But if anyone knows that the testator has made a mistake or done wrong, and so puts things right, right between the parties, he will incur no sin, for indeed Allah is after forgiving most merciful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala therefore is praising the one who knows that someone has made an error. Oh, an error which is, uh, which is which is uh, which is either unw- un- unwitting that that person didn't know it's a genuine error, or they unpurposely made an error, and so they come and they correct it. Allah Azza says that this is a person who doesn't have any sin because they are people of integrity. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is going to mention, or He did mention the verse about capital punishment, and now these three verses about the final will and testament. And inshallah, in the next episode, we will see that Allah Azza wa will go on to speak about the verses of fasting. One of the things that I want to want us to think about as we conclude this particular episode is what is the link between them? How does fasting connect to these other acts of worship? And why does Allah Azza wa after mentioning capital punishment and mentioning these verses of inheritance, why does Allah Azza wa now mention the obligation to fast in the month of Ramadan? Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that allows us to complete the tafsir of this surah and the rest of the Quran and that Allah Azza wa makes from the people who benefit from the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim.